in this life, we're going to have worries. We're absolutely going to worry in this life. We can't get through this life without challenges, without circumstances that, that we just don't have control of. In every circumstance that we have, every, every decision that we make, there's a fork in the road and there's a decision that needs to be made. A decision that needs to be made. One decision can lead to anxiety, depression, despair, and the other can lead to peace that transcends all understanding. It can lead to the assurance, the comfort that leads to ultimate joy. The King's Council helps you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. Now, our vision is to get you on the right path to your framework of success, focusing on the five power pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the King's Council is not your average coaching program. It's much more than that. It's a tribe of like-minded men and women bonded by faith and relationship that you can do life with. Join us in creating the next wave of kingdom entrepreneurs and becoming the CEO of your life by visiting kingscouncilcoaching.com and connect with one of our team members today. This episode is brought to you by Gospel Canvas. Gospel Canvas is reimagining Christian art for today's generation of Christians. Their exclusive collections are custom, unique, and a beautiful reminder of the power of salvation and hope. Now, these pieces will brighten up any space and add high character and motivation that you can see, touch, and experience on a daily basis. Visit gospelcanvas.com today and use the promo code KING15 to get 15% off your purchase at checkout. That's gospelcanvas.com using the promo code King 15. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Meek, and I'm back with you today to continue our discussion of the plagues of attitude. We're going through an eight-part series here in which we've discussed the seven plagues of attitude, but it's not just enough to know what those plagues are. What's most important here is what we're going to do about it. Or more so, what is the antidote to these? Because the verb, we're using a verb tense here of the antidote, which means to counteract or to cancel. And that's what we're going to do here. And the beautiful thing is, is, you've heard me say this again, is all of these concepts, not even concepts, all of these truths that we get and that we're talking about here are from the Word of God. That's the biblical template that we're going to walk out on every single episode that we do here on the King's Council podcast. Matthew 6.34 actually tells us, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Right? Jesus, who's the one who spoke these words, he was assuring his listeners, we don't need to be worried about tomorrow. We don't need to be anxious about future problems. Instead, we should be able to benefit from taking on life's problems one day at a time. Now, Jesus certainly didn't mean that we should avoid thinking about tomorrow or planning for the future. That's obviously, there's wisdom and counsel with that. What more so, rather what he was really helping us not to do was to have that excessive worry or have that anxiety about what may happen tomorrow. 
because as human beings, this is now hear me on this because let me know if this isn't true. But most of the time, we end up imagining the worst case scenarios in every single situation. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? And we just start to go down this rabbit hole. And ultimately, all we're doing is robbing ourselves of the joy that God wants to give us. We're distracting ourselves from the tasks at hand, what we should be focusing on. And we certainly can't solve future problems by worrying about them today. And what we worry about, often it fails to ever even happen, or it at least never turns out as bad as we thought, that worst case scenario. I've heard this, it's been said here, that worry is the interest that we pay on a debt that we do not owe. I'm going to repeat that for you. Worry is the interest that we pay on the debt that we do not owe. Now, there's a reason the Bible talks about this. Actually, over 500 times, the Bible tells us not to fear. And ultimately, that's what worry is rooted in. Worry is rooted in fear. And we know clearly that God did not give us a spirit of fear. The Bible tells us not to worry. But you may be thinking, yeah, that's easy enough to say, Riley, right? You may be thinking, I I got a lot to worry about. I I got so much going on in my life. I've got, you know, my wife, my business. I've got kids. I've got bills. I've got the country, the world. Man, plenty to worry about in today's society. I get it. But I also know that worry steals us of the joy of life, robs us of it. We all get stressed at times. And, and some maybe even depressed at times. Has anyone here heard of the worry worm before? Hear me out on this. Now, someone once coined the phrase worry worm. And you guys all know, if you've listened to me before, I like my garden analogies. So I got another one for you. Gardening, there's a lot of hard work, right? You got the planning, the prepping, you need to do it at the right time. You got to get down on your hands and knees, till the garden, whatever it is. There's a lot of work involved with it. You got to plant the vegetables or the flower. Let's call this a flower garden. Okay. And as you're planting that the flower garden here, eventually the seeds take root. There's a beautiful flower or flower bed and they're growing and they're budding. They're blossoming, assuming they're getting proper sunlight and water, fertilizer, maybe beautiful flowers. But one day you get that bad report. One day you get that bad news of some sort, whatever it is. And like that, like overnight, you go out to check on the flowers and you notice that they're full of holes. And that darn worm has found its way onto the petals and it's eaten away. It's actually eaten through them. And that's where this phrase came from. Worry is like a worm that eats his way through your heart and through your mind. So what we're going to dive into here is the antidote. We're going to talk about that worm killer. That's what we're going to dive into here. And the beautiful thing is the Bible gives us this antidote. This again, this isn't anything that I've come up with. This is a biblical template that we're going to always confirm with the word of God and walk this out. That's what the King's Council podcast is all about, is we're living a life on biblical principles, a life of excellence. It's actually Paul that that created, not he didn't create it, excuse me, God created it, but Paul is the one that exposes this antidote to us within the Bible. The antidote to worry, it's actually in the book of Philippians. Now, during this time, the church, in the book of Philippians, the church was under a lot of pressure, internally, externally. And Paul actually wrote a lot about unity and especially joy. And joy is the major theme of the book of Philippians. 
in the Philippian letter, the major theme of that is joy. So it makes sense that Paul would address worry and anxiety in this situation because worry and anxiety are their joy killers. You can't have worry and joy within the same mindset. You got one or the other. So flip specifically here, Philippians 4 through 7. I'll read this real quick. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first part of this, in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I used to love this song when I first became a believer. Like, rejoice in the Lord. I won't sing it for you guys. But you know what I'm saying. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, easy for Paul to say. He didn't live in 2020. He didn't live through just this chaotic world that we're living in right now. But notice this. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in all circumstances. Okay, we rejoice in the Lord always, not rejoice in all circumstances. So, what does Paul mean exactly? Think this, guys rejoice in the Lord, not rejoice in your circumstances. So, does he, does he mean that there's always something to rejoice about if you are in Christ? Is there always something to rejoice about? If you're in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, is there something to rejoice about? Does he mean that those that have Jesus in their life can actually find a reason to rejoice in every circumstance? Because that seems kind of like too, that seems a little difficult, too good to be true. Because even as believers, we're going to have problems. We're going to experience job loss, maybe death. COVID. We're going to experience those financial troubles. So here is what I interpret when I read this and the command that Paul makes here, that the living presence of Jesus in our lives is our joy. And there's no circumstance that can take that away from you. Rejoicing is not an optional thing as followers of Jesus. It's actually a command here. It's an empathetic command. That rejoicing is at the beginning. It's at the beginning in the end of that verse, right? So I got to believe that there's a reason for that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So Paul wanted the readers to actually get it as he's writing this letter. And, and something else that I noticed in this when I was diving into this, Paul actually uses a verb. The, the verb here is the present tense verb. It's a continual, a continual sense. And this means that he wants his readers here to not just have moments of sporadic, like outbursts of joy, that emotion, but instead rejoicing should actually be, or better yet, it should be a habit. It's a must. It's a discipline in life for followers of Jesus. It's a discipline for us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's that continual sense. And one more thing about the verb here that Paul uses is it's in the plural. It's rejoicing. It's a corporate discipline. And it's not just for the private individual here, not just something that you sit down and you, you pray to God and you're going to rejoice alone. No, we're going to rejoice together in the Lord always. To be clear here, 
to rejoice in the Lord means that Jesus, he's not just the source of rejoicing. It means that he is the object of rejoicing. We don't rejoice because he changes our circumstances. If we're going through something, a tough time, we don't rejoice because all of a sudden we're praying for that miracle and he changes the circumstance. But in fact, we are called to rejoice because Jesus is actually greater than the circumstance. He's greater than all of it. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Okay, so we're going to move through here quickly. So verse five, then it goes on and it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul gives us like a second command here. So the antidote to worry and really anxiety, I kind of consider those one and the same here, worry and anxiety. It actually involves being more concerned about others than yourself. More concerned about other people's problems than yourself, showing others compassion, giving others the benefit of the doubt because the Lord is near. And to be clear on that, this isn't a reference to the second coming. Some people may read this and it's like, the Lord is near, like, okay, that's the second coming. No, 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 no. Paul, he's not saying be joyful because life is going to suck really bad right now, but it's okay because at some point Jesus will be here. That's not what this is saying at all. I read this phrase with, with verse six here. It says, the Lord is near. And immediately he says, don't be anxious. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. If we go right into that next verse there. So I believe that Paul is telling the Philippians here that and for us, really, not just the Philippians, but for us, the, the fact that Jesus is near to the believer now, right here, right now, his living presence is with us, even now in all the circumstances. No different than, I remember Ellie, my daughter's nine now, but I remember her growing up and when we would enter like a dark room, you know, it's, it's dark out, we're entering the house, or maybe we're walking into her bedroom to go to bed. She would reach up and grab my hand in a thought process to her was really to relieve her of the worry or the anxious feeling that she was having stepping into that dark environment. Then verse six, then if we continue to move on here, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is a third command. Do not be anxious about anything and pray for everything. See, Paul sees worry and anxiety as, as it's counterproductive to the life of a believer, right? It, it accomplishes absolutely nothing. And truly, the, the, all it really displays in our life is just how much we don't trust God. When we're worrying and we're anxious about it, we're not trusting God in that situation. So the evidence there is that, I mean, what are, what are we doing there, right? Because Paul's, Paul's main antidote to worry is prayer. Okay, the, the main antidote to worry as we continue through here is prayer. And the best way to stop worrying about anything would be to pray about everything. But it's not just about prayer and petition as, as referenced here. It's not just prayers because we want something, which is what typically the only time a lot of people pray, unfortunately. But it's prayer with the attitude of thanksgiving. That's the key component here. Thanksgiving, that's the surest evidence of a soul free from worry. The surest evidence is that you're thankful in those circumstances. So I want to re-break this down here for you guys, because to recap here, at this point, the antidote to worry, it's threefold. 
rejoice in the Lord always and in all circumstances. Focus on the needs of others. Be compassionate. And then the third one is pray about everything with confidence and with thanksgiving in your heart. Threefold. But then verse seven, it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So verse seven might be probably the most interesting statement that Paul uses in this, in kind of the closing section of this letter to the Philippians. It says that when we practice this threefold antidote, there's a promise, right? And what I love this because I get like this kind of military image when I think about this. He says, to guard your heart. So I think of like an army standing guard around a city, protecting the people, like protecting the cities, like the walls from those that are trying to attack, to come in, from those that are trying to harm them. And it says, the peace of God will stand guard around our hearts and our minds to protect the joy inside. But I want to be clear on this. Peace of God. Does that mean the absence of conflict or trouble? As a matter of fact, like, I, I want to make sure that we get this, that the peace of God does not mean that we're not going to have conflict or trouble, right? We can have situations, trouble in our life. It could be all around us. I mean, in Scripture, we are told that we will have trouble. In this world, we will have trouble. But in the midst of that, in the storm, when it's the worst of worst, we can still have peace that transcends all understanding. Peace that transcends all understanding. The peace of God, it's calming. It's His healing presence. It transcends our understanding because we experience it when we least expect it. In circumstances that seem absolutely impossible, God's peace comes. I've personally just experienced this within my own life with with the death of my uncle, Uncle Dougie. Just this, uh, not even a week ago has passed at 57 years old. One of my closest friends, the dude who's ran my companies for the last decade. The guy literally knew more about me than I know about myself right now. But in the midst of this, the moment I walked in and I saw him, the moment I saw him when he was still, gee, he experienced a stroke, he was still in his right mind at that point. Right side of his body wasn't um, functioning. He had slurred speech, but he was still, he saw, he knew me. I, I was there. We had a conversation. In the midst of that, the moment that I just had the word just laid on me of just peace. And in that moment, that peace of God transcended all of my understanding. In that moment, I thought like, Everything's going to be okay. And I said that I said that to his his wife and I continued to say that. Like everything's going to be okay and in our earthly sense it was like it's going to be okay. Like he's going to be fine. We're going to get through this. He's going to be fine. Right? That peace it was transcending any understanding that I had. Any understanding that I had. Yet he still passed. But the peace of God was still in me at that time, is still in me at that time. Yeah. Do I get sad when I think about it? Of course. But the sadness that I have is more of a selfish sadness than anything. It's like we had such great times together. I've relied on him for a lot of things, but I know that he is rocking in heaven right now. That he experienced the full healing, the ultimate healing 
by extending his life into eternity. Yes, this life was cut short here on earth, but not really. He lived the exact life, the exact time, the exact moment that God knew, right? And I sensed that within Dougie. I sensed the peace that he knew everything was going to be okay. So what's the takeaway here? In this life, we're going to have worries. We're absolutely going to worry in this life. We can't get through this life without challenges, without circumstances that, that we just don't have control of. In every circumstance that we have, every, every decision that we make, there's a fork in the road. And there's a decision that needs to be made. A decision that needs to be made. One decision can lead to anxiety, depression, despair. And the other can lead to peace that transcends all understanding. It can lead to the assurance, the comfort that leads to ultimate joy. And which road that you travel depends on your choices. Because here's the thing, God's not going to do this for you. This is your choice in these circumstances. And your disciplined response to the worries that come up in life, we are going to have experiences. They're not going to be fun. And at that moment, you can choose to worry, which leads to anxiety, depression, despair, envy, hatred. Or you can choose Christ, really. You can choose to have the peace, the assurance, the comfort that ultimately is going to lead to joy. And Paul says that those who believe, those who trust in God, worry should actually push us toward each other. We should share our worries and to rejoice together in the Lord. And that's why I love what we're doing at the King's Council. I'm going to have an interview here with Jace just to talk about this situation specifically. Jace, he does a lot of our video and our photography, and he's kind of been groomed into this right-hand man position for me, 20 years old, and Doug was his dad. It was unbelievable the, the maturity that Jace has gone through, not just in the last six months, but then in the last week specifically, to the point where he actually got up and he spoke about this peace of God, this new boldness that he had at his funeral. It was one of the most beautiful moments I got to experience, certainly one of the most proudest moments I've ever experienced of my, my cousin Jace. A lot of that was birthed because of the King's Council and what we're doing, because who we're surrounding ourselves with is so important. The decision, that fork in the road that we're talking about, is that decision that we make going to lead to destruction and defeat and despair and worry and anxiety, death? Or are we going to surround ourselves with hope dealers, peace dealers, assurance providers, comfort providers, the joy dealers? And that's ultimately what being a part of the King's Council is like. I couldn't even tell you how many DMs and texts and calls and video calls. And I've gotten so many of them. It's like almost, it's almost overwhelming in a great way though, where it's like, man, people got my back. I know we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people praying for Dougie, but the peace that this family has had going through this process has surpassed all understanding that we have on this earth. And I realized that someone in my world, that there's someone in my world that is worse off than me if that worry, if that anxiety that we have, if it causes us to realize that there is someone that's worse off than me in that situation, I should be able to, to understand that. And that should motivate us to focus on the needs of that other person and to have that compassion that we're talking about within that threefold antidote here, instead of focusing on my needs 
It should drive us to our knees to tell God all about it. Not other people, but to tell God all about it and to do so with that thankful heart. The thankful heart. So again, Philippians 4, the antidote here to worry is threefold. Rejoice in the Lord always and in all circumstances. Focus on the needs of others and be compassionate. And then pray about everything with confidence and with thanksgiving in your hearts. And that's when that peace of God that surpasses all understanding will fall upon us. So what are you worrying about today? What's that stress, that anxiety in your life? And take this step. Start to rejoice in the Lord. Focus on others. Pray about everything with confidence and with thanksgiving and experience it for yourself. Imagine what your life would look like if you started to practice these things. Practice these three folds every single day because this takes these championship reps. This is a discipline that we have to instill as a walk in a believer's life. As followers of Christ, this is the discipline that we have to instill within us on how to rejoice in the Lord always, how to focus on others, how to be compassionate, how to pray about everything with confidence and thanksgiving in our hearts. And that's when the peace of God that transcends all understanding will come upon us. Threefold antidote to worry. I love you guys. We've talked about doubt. We've talked about worry. I've got five more of these left in the can. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time.